edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, February 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going. It's going. I'm back We're on be- the horse now. I'm back on the horse. I was After all that editing of those player caps, I was a little bit worried about about writing and it is writing is hard man it's it's uh you know you got to do all the research and all that stuff so um got back on the horse today and i think uh you know by the time season comes around i'll be ready to uh to do my do i I will be i will be getting back on that very same horse uh early tomorrow actually i'll be finishing my piece today and then going back up early tomorrow been doing a lot of podcasts got some great stuff coming too. Not just obviously this podcast that you're listening to. Did a guest episode that's coming out tomorrow with Greg Ambrosius from Stats, and then Colette and I did our our raw feed, uh, just talking for. Uh, let's see, I actually I'm editing it right now, and it looks like it's about almost an hour and a half of us just kind of talking through our picks in the labor draft, which is going to be a big part of what you and I talk about today. Uh, as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Spore, at Eno Saris, and of course at Jason Collette as well. Might as well get his his name out there. Let's dive into the labor draft. You know, it happened last night. The uh, Series XM hosted it. Uh, it's the USA Today labor draft, mixed draft, 15 teams. Colette and I had pick nine. Before we get into our team, uh, we'll talk Pod's team as well. You know, talk about the family here, Fangraphs. Let's just get your overview. Well, what, what did you get to follow any of it last night? Um, and if you did, what what'd you see? And if not, what were your takeaways this morning when you caught up on it? You know, I think the middle rounds are going to be very hard. I think the middle rounds are going to be a really interesting spot because I think just talking about the pitching that we've done when we talked about how there's a weak sort of middle spot between the, the aces and the threes. Um, you know, that's, that's, so that would make me think, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from pitching in the sort of, uh, five to 10, five to 12 rounds. But if you do that, um, and you think, oh, well, I'm going to wait on, on relievers, you know, the, the players, the, the position players themselves almost have the same kind of tiering where, you know, Cole Calhoun in the seventh, that's fine. You know, Ben Revere in the seventh. Um, you know, they, they're just not as excited. Elvis Andrews in the eighth. You know, it's like, I don't really want to draft those rounds. <laughs> they're, they're tough. They really are. And it, and it led to a scenario where Jason and I, you know, we kind of started seeing these players drop, and, and it kind of threw us off what our, our loose plan was. We just thought it was a good idea to kind of get into the hitting in the fourth through seventh round, fourth through sixth rounds, even though there were good pitchers there. Because once you get to a certain point with the hitting, it's just so much of the same. You can kind of make cases. Like you said, Calhoun, Revere, Andrews, I don't really love those guys, but I'm not sitting there criticizing the picks either. I look at them and I totally get them. I totally get those picks. The hitting pool in those mid rounds is very clustered. And I don't think you can make too many distinctions of, Oh, that's a horrible pick. This guy has to go here. I don't think you can make too many definitive statements like that with the middle hitter pool. And I think you guys did a, a good job there jumping on Zach Britton and Cody Allen in round seven and eight, because you know, that doesn't seem too early for a closer. And if you look at the guys who waited longer, for example, a uh, friend of the program, Rotographs writer, has his own site, The Fantasy Fix, Alan Harrison. He, he was talking about how he wanted Cody Allen. 
And y'all took him, y'all took Cody Allen from him, who's the, the, the last closer of a tier, I think. There was tre- there Ken, Ken Giles, Trevor Rosenthal, Cody Allen. And he ended up having to change his plan and go with David Peralta, which is fine. But in round eight, you're like, ugh, you know, uh, Mike Platoon, you know, kind of like Christian Yelich two picks before. is like, God, is that what's, is that what's available in the eighth I mean, round? That, that's that's the mid, mid rounds of hitting right now. You got to take some chances. You're not going to get that certainty that you feel really good about. So you get a, right. a big hitter like Peralta and just hope he continues to crush righties and can hang in there against lefties. And then Jeff Erickson. But by that, you guys had kind of started a, a run or maybe ended a tier that made people nervous. So he ended up with Houston Street, lost Hector Rondon and Jonathan Papelbon on a turn. Yep. So, you know, by picking Peralta, he I think he was right to do that, though, because I do think Rondon, Papelbon, and Street are the next round. So I might have even passed on Street because Street is old as dirt. He's only good for 50 innings, and some year he's not going to be even good for 50 innings. So, you know, I, I think – but he then he's in a position where he's got no closers and he's 10 rounds in. So that would have put him in a bad place, too. So, you know, that kind of stuff, I think I you guys did a good job of staying out of that. You know, you yeah, we you, didn't want to get involved. That that yeah. that bit us last year uh, when we made it on closers. We got two really closers, and the Carter Caps pick, which is great later on, that gives you a chance for three. But you you bought two closers who aren't going to lose their job to performance, most likely. Exactly. You know, injury is the same for everybody, but you know they're not they're not going to lose their job to performance. Not like the guys, the closers who get taken after that. Rondon can lose his job to performance. Fernando Rodney can lose his job to performance. Francisco Rodriguez, also old as dirt, can lose his job to performance. So Papelbon can choke MVPs and do whatever he wants, though, so he won't even lose his job. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think he could too. But uh, uh, it would, it would take, that, would, that's, that was an interesting one. I think I might have, if I was uh, Alan, taken Papelbon there to, to stay out of the Rondon Street situation. But, but Peralta's a good player too. Um, but the, the guy who was going on the turn behind him uh, had just taken Eaton and Revere before, so I and had Trout first. So I don't think I would have thought this guy's going to snipe Peralta. That, from that's it. a good call. If he favored Rondon or Papelbon over Street, logistically he should have taken them and then let Peralta be there for him because Jeff Erickson likely wasn't going to take another outfielder there. I think that's a good point that you make. But I like Peralta, and if that was Harrison's guy, you got to nab him right there and then. He did make up for it. See, I, I'm not a huge Santiago Casilla guy, but I do recognize that he did a good job with the role last year. But what I like even better is that Allen made sure to get Hunter Strickland, who I do love in that San Francisco bullpen. I like I like uh, I like handcuffing bullpens, and, and he you got know, Romo late too. Yeah, yeah. So that's he he bought basically the San Francisco closer, whoever it is. He bought into Street. The nice thing about Street is there's nobody behind him. There's exactly. you don't really want Joe Smith closing games for you at 87 miles an hour or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so you know he bought into that and he bought Keone Kayla. I was who, gonna say you yeah, like Kayla. He could close from the get go. I think personally it's gonna be Dyson first, and I doubt that Dyson gives it up because Dyson's basically Britain from the right. Okay. But uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens there. So anyway, but otherwise, I mean, I love Alan Harrison's like, like run up to Peralta because it's so much like what I would do is get two strud stud sluggers. We got Paul Goldschmidt and Chris Davis, you know, add two two aces that are in that tier one ace. So it's Degrom and Archer. Great. I love Xander Bogarts and Rujned. 
score. So that, you know, that's, a, you know, nail that middle infield uh, with power and speed, hopefully. Uh, maybe a little bit early on Bogarts if he doesn't get the same, but he should get the same runs on RBI love. So there's a high floor there, even if he doesn't necessarily uh, reach his ceiling. So, uh, but the problem is if you do all, if you hit all those boxes by round eight, you don't have a closer, which is what we were just talking about. Exactly. So. And so if that's something that you're comfortable with, it everyone has to decide what weakness they're okay having. And, and I think ours was pretty evident that we were okay um, only kind of having our ace and then working our rotation from there. So let's jump to our team. Let's get your general thoughts on what Jason and I were able to do. You already mentioned that you liked our closers, but what do you think of the team at large? I'm, you know, I'm honest. Honestly, I'm a little worried about your power. That's you know, completely fair. You know, Correa, I, I, I think he'll grow into more power, but a, an honest projection is 20 homers. You've got a good uh, stud in Edwin Encarnacion. Then you took Carrasco, Carlos Gomez, you know, good for 20. So you got those and, and probably Gomez and Correa, probably both 2020 guys. So you're you're adding speed with power. I like that. That means you don't have any empty zeros. And even Lindor, you know, I think will will hit seven to ten. So uh, and then Puig, I think, might steal a couple more bases if he's I think he might he's going to come angry into the season because, you know, a lot of people have been pointing at him. So, you know, I, I do like that grouping. By going Britton Allen and then Stroman, you're taking a you're taking a, a different direction. While a lot of people are getting those mid round guys, but those are guys that I don't love. Billy Hamilton, will he have his job all year? Will he will he platoon? What's going to go on with Billy Hamilton? Uh, Corey Dickerson, will he platoon? Cole Calhoun, kind of, you know, has some platoon issues. Also, no more ceiling left. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just he's just a solid player, but without a ceiling left. Uh, Polanco and Peralta, you're betting a little bit. That's Alan Harrison's outfielders. You're betting a little bit on upside. But, you know, you guys got in the closer, and then you kind of came back to the to, uh, position players in the early 10s when you got Gong, Grandal, Addison Russell, Stephen Piscotti. That's a really interesting group, and I like all those players. You, They need, like, two or three of those need to hit. Sure. The nice thing about it, though, is... Those are all in the round 10 to 15 round, and we just had Alex Chamberlain do some research on our site where he looked at where sleepers, where what's the best time to go for sleepers, and it's actually round 10. Um, by the way, um, and are you talking about the one 36% of your draft will suck? Yeah, I think so. That yeah. piece is amazing, and I was reading it this morning, and I was like... No, actually, this is the follow-up to that one. So oh. he, he did a, a first piece about how where value comes in your draft and then he did another one about when you should when the when the balance is between um you know future expected value vis-a-vis adp and then okay, I see uh, it now. yeah i see it so yeah so basically if you look at end of year rankings versus adp uh, basically the end of year rankings all go down um with adp right until you get to round 10 when all of a sudden in round 10, the end-of-year rankings are better than the ADPs Oh wow! Uh, on average. So I think that's because a lot of us are saying say in our heads, it, you know, it's a natural thing, uh, you know, well, this is round seven or eight. I should be getting a, a, an actual, uh, you know, solid player here. But like I just pointed out, these aren't great solid players. I mean, Corey Dickerson has a lot of floor. Billy Hamilton has a defensive backup floor. Absolutely. You know, so Albert Pujols, you know, 
broken old man with with bad feet floor. So uh, so you know, there's a lot of these seven, eight, nine round hitters that that uh, have a lot of issues. And so it's interesting that you know you went back to the pitching and then you come back right in the right place to get your sleepers and you get Gong. Grandal, who with a healthy shoulder could have a really good year. Addison Russell was showing some great strides with plate dis- discipline at the end of the season. And then Steven Piscotti, who changed his swing and should have more power. So I, I like that grouping. You kind of need, I don't, you, I don't know if you need all four, but you kind of need three out of four to hit for some power because. I think uh, they will, though. I mean, Gong hit for power last year. So did Grandal. So did Russell, really. I think they all did. And even Piscotti, like you said, started to show the power. None of, they're not overwhelming guys. There's not a lot of 30 home run hitters on our team, but. I bet I would not be surprised if we got at least one 30 home run hitter out of our 23rd, 24th round picks, Brandon Moss, Pedro Alvarez. So I had a power focus late in the draft. Um, right. Also, Derek Dietrich, somebody now that's a little bit further off the off the map. He needs some things to happen to open up the playing time. But I also buy a lot of what Chris Coglin did last year, and he was our last pick. Playing time's an issue for him too. But uh, you know, we just. I think everyone think, looks at that Cubs team and thinks all the all the stud players are going to stay healthy, and that's just right. that's just a pipe dream. That just doesn't really happen that way. So it, it was something. Of my traditional drafts, I probably look a little bit more late uh, late in the late draft, a little bit more like Podhorzer. So Podhorzer's general draft was hitters, hitters, hitters. Uh, even though I hate the Elvis Andrews pick, uh, I love the pick that came right after that it was Masahiro Tanaka in the ninth round. I mean, he went Strasburg in the third round and he didn't have another pitcher to Tanaka in the ninth round. I really love that. I think that's a great use of tears because Tanaka is, uh, is, you know, one of those rare twos and, um, Strasburg is a late one. So I think a lot of risk though, with those two, both of them, definitely, definitely amount of risk, but at least it's injury risk. I think performance, not so much risk there. And, um, and then late draft, it's all yellow. You know, once he gets to Hunsu, after he goes from uh, Hunsu Kim in the 20th round, this is my this is how my draft would look. Vincent Velasquez, Aaron Alther, Anibal Sanchez, Corey Kniebel, Ruby, Ruby De La Rosa, Chris Medlin, Zach Cozart, Homer Bailey, Chris Young. So it's like that's where that's what I would do at the end of my draft is it's all yellow. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I'm not saying you guys didn't pick any uh, any pitchers late. Giolito. Uh, I love Adam Warren. Matt Latos, decent flyer. Henry Owens has a, an interesting grouping of pitches in terms of the way they move and the, the, the peripherals on them. So those are great. But um, I, I wonder what the hit rate is on the Brandon Moss type, you know, because it, it, it can get crowded in St. Louis pretty quickly. Pedro Alvarez doesn't how, even have a team yet. How can it so. get crowded, though? Like, what, what, what's keeping Moss from playing? Matt, Matt Adams is, is not that good. I mean, just can we stop with Matt Adams? Uh, I'm I'm just right. not impressed. Uh, Matt Holiday, as uh, an injury risk, can open up time in the outfield. I don't I don't see the risk necessary. I see the risk inherent in Moss himself, you know, the hip and and the injury. Right. But in terms of playing time, that would that's the least of my concerns with him. Well, I mean, Alvarez, you don't know what he's gonna what what kind of a role he's gonna sign into. So no, and I uh, I understand that, but I'm also looking at like what he did last year, and I, I'm like, well. Is this guy not going to play at age 29? He had 27 home runs last year with 77 ribs, a 243 average. I mean, he's better than Chris Carter, who's going to be playing all year. So I, 
again, I thought that was a, a pretty worthy gamble in the 24th round, particularly for a team that needed power to draft a guy who hit 30 home runs two different seasons and missed it by just three home runs last year. I don't know. I, I have a hard time. Obviously, I made the pick, but I have a hard time seeing how that's not a a, a good pick. Uh, Chris Carter went two picks before him, and I understand that he has a team, but I don't see a case where Chris Carter is better than Pedro Alvarez at all. Like that, it's an impossible case to make. Yeah. Well, I mean, one one pick I'm looking at is is Matt Moore. I know he he definitely found some stuff late. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was definitely a, a change in his pitching and some movement and, and results late. So um, I'm a little interested in him. I just have Joe Ross way ahead of him. But we so took Joe Ross. I, I know. It's interesting you took Joe Ross next. But I'm, I'm looking at that Matt Moore pick and wondering, was there more power to be had there that would have allowed for a pitching pick over, say, a Derek Dietrich or Pedro, Pedro Alvarez later on? Um, and so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think. Looking at that, you had you had a choice of David Wright, uh, Victor Martinez, um, yeah. Jonathan Scope, I guess. Scope might have been an interesting pick there. We love Scope, but we were locked up in the middle. And, had so many middle infielders. You know, um, we could have put him at UT. I, I, I would have been okay with that. But it, it, I do love Scope, but at the same time, it, it's not like he's flawless. So uh, right. we needed our pitchers there. That was obviously Tampa Bay. Um just because it's Tampa Bay doesn't mean that's only Colette, but we we put up a few options and he said, let's go with more. I'd already gotten my way on a couple picks before that, so we went with more. Uh, we got Ross right after anyway, so I, I felt pretty good about that. I just, I don't know. I, I think in those back rounds, I'm looking, I don't see anybody that we, Scope's about the only one where I'm like, you know, it still would have been cool to have him because I like him, but CJ Cron, Mitch Moreland, AJ Reed, Adam Lind. Yeah, I, I'm just not seeing guys that are. W- w- I get that Moss and Alvarez aren't aren't, aren't like fun picks, but right. uh, the, the the power is there. I mean, we we addressed the power late, and, and we got that really rare speed, and we oh, still I mean, got some big upside. It's not so much them. It's just that it, it's a little bit out of character for myself, and I'm just looking to see what like how I would have gone differently. Gio Gonzalez is another pick where I don't feel there's a ton of upside there's a little bit of bounce back potential but the at his age is no more upside uh, so i'm looking there at a potential spot for power after geo went um carlos santana somebody we considered yeah carlos santana might have been an interesting pick there at least his playing time is safe yeah absolutely. And, uh, we, we liked santana he was definitely someone your your man your man justin vore was available yep. Also, also like him. I lo- Both of those guys were guys that we were looking at. Wanted an arm, though. Wanted somebody a little uh, with some stability. And I, I do think Gio offers that. I think that you look at his skills. They've still been solid, even as the ERA is going up. I think there is some bounce back potential, as as you kind of allude to. Uh, even if it's back down to like a 3.30 ERA, we'll take it uh, for for 190 innings with uh, with a chance at 180 strikeouts or so. I don't yeah. Know. So. It's it's okay. I mean, when when and I don't know if we if I'm jumping ahead here, but no, you no, know, it's fine. I did write about labor. pitching tiers, and um, one thing I did like from the aspect of pitching tiers is that I, one thing that I decided was I don't I just don't think there's that many twos. If if you have the if you have the the uh, track record and the excellence, you're a one. Uh, you're an ace, yeah. right? I mean, there might. 
maybe some people would say would quibble with my definition of ace and say there can only be one ace for every team, so there can only be fifteen aces in a fifteen team league. Just not true. That's not true. That's just not true. But fantasy, it's not how, it's not how uh, groupings work. It's not how talent works. And fantasy aces are different than than quote unquote real life aces as well. Right, right. So there's not 30 aces. And even if you think about it in terms of real baseball, there's not 30 aces because there's 30 teams. I mean, Atlanta doesn't have an ace. Um, So uh, what I would say is um, I like that you got an ace, Carlos Carrasco. And then I kind of like that you guys pivoted for a while there. And and I think that is a great spot to get your 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 ace relievers is that six seven eight spot. I think that is, and I think I kind of like the idea of buying two there because of how the bats start to look really iffy there. Uh, and then you guys got some threes and fives. I mean, one of my basically one of my takeaways from the tears piece was maybe there are only ones, threes, and fives. And, and would, uh, you know, we got one. A one, a three, two fours, and a five, and then four of our guys didn't didn't make your top one hundred. Because I, I, yeah, it's not. I mean, you guys are in a fifteen team league, and I, I yeah. made those like basically a twelve team league. But, um, uh, well, you know, well, but I I would say that uh, Warren and and Owens are definitely and Giolito are definitely pitchers I would have picked. So, uh, I, as much as I like how Podhorts are ended, because I love Vince Velasquez, you know, yeah, you know that I love him. Um, we're on board Anibal, together there. Yeah, Anibal Sanchez with a healthy shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was- Corey Cable could take the role. I mean, he's probably third in Milwaukee, but he has basically the Ken Giles, um, uh, Ke- Craig Kimbrell selection of, of the power curve with the power fastball. I tell you what, though, some outlets are are handicapping him as the top guy. Yeah, I think he, it kind of depends on where you go. You see Smith, Will Smith. Oh, you know David Stearns, twenty eight year old math man. He's not going to make Kniebel expensive now. I, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. Think, you know, uh, yeah, they've got think, those three guys with Will Smith, Kniebel, and Jeffress. I, 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 to me, the dark horse or the the one I like best is Jeffress because I think most people will just Jeffress. Will Smith and think it's Will Smith, but Jeffress is the right-hander with a sort of traditional power set, and I think that Will Smith has the kind of thing where. If you never give him saves, you can sign him as a kind of a loogie, left-handed setup guy and keep his price in the sort of um, – who's that guy that signed? Zach Duke. You can keep his price at a Zach Duke level if you want to sign him for later or if you – you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Whereas a Jeremy Jeffress, if you give him saves – I think Jeremy Jeffress as a right-handed setup guy is super replaceable. You don't even want to sign him to a multi-year deal. But if you give him saves, you might make him into a, into a trade asset. So – I think that that's what they're going to do is give it to Jeffress. But in any case, uh, Knievel's interesting. They, you know, for just a good reliever with a good arm. We've talked about Ruby. Uh, Medlin, I think, has a role in that KC, uh, in that KC rotation, which is is interesting at that point. And then Homer Bailey, if he's healthy. So I, that's it, I don't love it so much at the end. But the, those last rounds, I mean, God, those last rounds are are kind of just a wasteland you know they're they're tough they're a wasteland it, it, it feels like a wasteland but it's actually where i think a lot of things happen and i think that's where the, the back end is where jason and i lost last year like our, our our early picks smashed them i mean kershaw and donaldson were our first two picks doesn't really get much better even some of our mid our mid-tier stuff was fine it's once you kind of got into those double digit rounds and beyond that we really struggled and i think 
obviously I drafted them, so I, I think this way. But I feel like this year's uh, is better with a mix of upside and some some stability. What I like, what I like is that you guys didn't um, drink this sort of dynasty Kool Aid where you're picking guys uh, like Jesse Winker or Lewis Brinson in Texas. Um, yeah, I, Giolito was the only one, and I understand, you know, his his. But uh, Tanner Roark, you know, could exactly, be, exactly. Uh, they and could, that happened in spring almost, so that's not gonna. What, what if, if, they're, if, they're a, if they're a competitive team and Giolito's down there and Roark's pitching to like a four or five ERA, that's an easy way for them to give themselves a boost. And it's also a little bit of insurance on Gio in case like there's something amiss. Like I said, I don't think so. I look at the skills. You look at at his at his FIP and CR, you know, all his ERA indicators, and it says that there's really nothing to worry about. The skills are rock solid, but he's gonna be 30. You know, what 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 if something happens? It's it's also a little bit of an insurance policy on him as well. Right. And so when a lot of these guys, Joey Gallo, I mean, these guys aren't gonna have roles going into the season. No, um, but I so think- all the guys you picked are going to play Aaron Hicks might be a fourth outfielder, but he's a veteran fourth outfielder on a team that's full of injuries waiting to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, you know, Jason worth old as dirt, but if he's healthy again, you know, 20 homers and then Odell Herrera's a great pick. I think, I mean, just the speed you can get out of that, you know, he's not going to beat great shakes, but uh, I think he could easily do something like uh, 270, 730 with seven homers, 30 stolen bases. And that's without looking at his player page, but I, that's 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 going to be valuable where you got him. So He was a $20 know. guy last year, and uh, yeah. HQ even thinks uh, in the forecaster, they said he could get 10 and 20 uh, with a 289 average. Had a good OBP as well, so they really loved him. Who do you prefer between Odebel Herrera and um, Kevin Kiermeyer? Now I feel like I should look at a player page. So let me explain. You're asking me some serious stuff here. I think my without looking, I, I think most people would say Kiermaier because they definitely. I mean, obviously, you, you get you get some bias from the real game, and Kiermaier as a as a defender is 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 plus plus. Yeah. But uh, his organization doesn't ask him to steal. He's a I don't sub see, 300 OBP. Sub 300 OBP. I don't see him adding a ton of walks or a ton of power. But you know he's. Uh, 25 years old, he could add a little bit of power, but he didn't hadn't shown even the power he's shown in the major leagues. He never showed in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, what's what he's done so far is already sort of a surprise. So, asking him to just retain it would be interesting. So, um, I think he's I think Odebell's got him on OBP, on batting average, on steals, and uh, I don't think any career any uh, Kevin Kiermaier advantage on uh, power is gonna is going to outdo those two. And um, yeah, so I think, uh, I think your point there about the perception is, is where I flubbed though, because I do think that people like Kiermaier more than Herrera. I really wanted both. I wanted to go Herrera, Kiermaier, and uh, I took Herrera first, but then Alan Harrison took Kiermaier and I said, you know, would you have taken Odebell if I leave him? He said, no, it was not on my radar at all. So maybe wish I'd have gone Kiermaier and I think Odebell might have gotten back to me. That's when I took Jason Worth instead. So I kind of went the other way with more of a steady presence. Who... You, need some, you need some power. Let me let me let me do a quick, uh, quick math here. 20, 40, 70, 80, uh, 90. See, without Herrera, you're. You're lucky to get to 100 steals, 
And uh, with Herrera, I think you you push that to 110 or so. Uh, plus, if Hicks uh, Hicks hits, or if anybody or Coughlin or or anybody is a little bit better than you expect, uh, you can get to 125, 130 steals. So you needed steals there. And uh, wait, I think how, you, uh, how many were you giving us with with those early guys? Like 90 before Herrera. That feels light with correct. Well, Correa, Gomez, Lindor, Puig. Stolen bases go down, down, down every so, year. Here's a, here's a question though. I just gonna... I was being I was being I was being uh, but I I would I'd like to be uh, careful when I do little stolen base add-ups like that. Are they gonna stay that low? I mean, th- this was such an outlier season. Are, are stolen bases gonna go back down, or, or should we not treat league-wide trends the way we do with player trends? Where we're like, okay, well probably going to push back toward uh, the mean a little bit more because it was such an outlier. I mean, I don't think we've seen a, uh, anything outside of a strike season have this few stolen bases. So I feel like they might actually go up across the league, and we got a lot of guys who could benefit from that with Correa, Gomez, Lindor, Puig, uh, I think uh, Herrera, and Hicks. You know, I think we got a lot of guys there, and then and then I think we can get some chip ins from from your Addison Russells, your Jung Ho Gongs, uh, and guys like that. Even Jason Worth, if he's healthy. Remember, Davey Lopes is the one who made him into a stolen base monster, and he's the guy out there um, coaching first base for the Nationals. I'm not expecting Jason Worth at age 37 to get back up to his 20 levels, but eight to 10, we'll take it. We'll we'll, we'll just take right. the, the chip in and off. No. Odebell is going to be on a really bad team, and that's I think one of the best places to get steals because, Let him a, go. you know that might be yeah, it's it's a possible way to to up um, trade value, uh, makes the player look better, um, and uh, a lot of teams that are bad convince themselves the only way to to score some more runs is to to be the go go, the go go Phillies. So yeah. uh, I, I could see that, especially with some of their their actual players. I could see them uh, trying to to push that envelope a little bit. So, all right, let's talk some let's talk some picks outside of of ours and and, and Pod's team here. Let's get outside of the Fangraphs family a little bit. Let's talk about some picks that you liked. What were some of the values that you saw out there that you're like, oh, you know, I I really really like that pick outside of some of the ones that you've already mentioned. Well, you know, once Bogarts leaves the table, uh, you guys. Got Lindor in the fifth before mm-hmm. Bogarts or after? After. After. So Bogarts. That was supposed to. That was going to be Correa Bogarts, but then we said if Bogarts or Lindor makes it, maybe we'll just take them and, and, and take another hit off the shortstop. It was not a plan coming in at all. It just kind of. Well, yeah, I was supposed to ask you about why you had so many shortstops, but. Um, well, I'll tell you in a second. Russell, you're going to play at second. Pardon me, I took a drink there. Yeah, I, we're going to play him at second. And Gong at corner or, or third base. Uh-huh. First off, we it it was not a game plan coming in. We're not like, oh, we're just gonna load up on on shortstop eligible guys. But once we took Correa, and then we saw Bogarts and Lindor kind of falling from the ADPs that they'd been establishing at least very recently, we decided to go back to the pool with Lindor. Then we really like Gong, and I love Russell. So we just figure. Why not keep sh- uh, you know thinning out the pool a little bit at shortstop? Not only are we getting good players that we like, but we're putting pressure on the rest of the league. So it kind of had that double value there that we were really happy with, and we got flexibility in season too. You know, Gung's well, dual eligible, Russell's dual eligible. So even if we traded like a Correa or a Lindor, we wouldn't have to either get a shortstop back in trade or go into the free agent pool. We've got guys. Yeah, and and 
what I like you, what I, what I like about, uh, actually, what I like about the way RT Sports does their boards with the color, yes, is that you can see the end of a tier. And why the reason why Lindor was a good pick was it was the end of a tier. And you know this because it goes Bogarts, Lindor, and then there's 35, 40 picks before another, uh, another uh, shortstop goes. And that shortstop is Jose Reyes, who nobody really wants, you know? <laughs> And then you get Brandon Crawford. It's like, oh gosh. So, I think the Lindor pick was good. And in that second, in that next tier, which I think goes Reyes, Crawford, Desmond, Andrews, uh, Castro, Segura, um, and then there's a, another thirty round drop to Marte and Russell. See, I would have taken. Uh, I hate that tier, by the way. Reyes, Crawford, Desmond, Andrews, Segura. I hate that whole tier. Exactly. And the reason I bring it up though is I do. I kind of like the Ian Desmond pick in the middle of that because he's going to have the most homers plus stolen bases of the group. He's going to have a representative average for the group. And there's the upside that now supposedly the Rockies are talking to him. That would be so prime. Uh, if that happened for Jake Seeley, he would get such a boon from that. I actually like Starlin Castro in that tier. I just didn't like that cost for Howard Bender. I felt like Castro was somebody who you should have been able to get a little bit later. Um, so I like him overall, but not at that particular price. The fact that we got Addison Russell three rounds later, that's, that's insane to me in terms of comparing those two. I love Russell so much more because I like those two straight up, let alone a three-round difference. Yeah, and it's interesting. A big gap usually means, I think, that you made a good choice. Uh, so Jake made maybe another good choice with taking Kipnis as a second baseman in the seventh. I like Kipnis, and I'm trying to not just blindly say it's a good pick because I like him, but there's actually 50 picks between Kipnis big and Howie Hendrick. So yep. that, I feel like, that means something. That means he got, he got the last of the kind of good second baseman. If you look at it, it's D Gordon. Um, it was Jose Altuve, D Gordon, Robinson Cano, Brian Dozier, Anthony Rendon, who, I mean, I don't know if that's a reach. Health is definitely an issue with that guy. So that's a question, but the skills, the skills are pretty great. Right. I love Odor in the six and, um, you know, Kinsler after Odor in the six and then Kipnis by Jake. Those, those three, I think I like those picks because, they are still in that good, you know, have, have, have uh, put separation between them and the bottom of half, right? So they're yeah. definitively above average second baseman. And then you get that 50 round, the 50 pick drop uh, to guys who are like, oh crap, I need an average second baseman. And that's when you get, you know, Howie Kendrick, who as a, as a, the first pick after 50, I think almost, it doesn't define you as a bad pick. Uh, because it could that drop could have been too big for the difference in tiers. I, I but, think it is. Uh, I, I'm going to push back on this general point here because I don't think Kipnis has solidified himself as markedly better than the Kendrick, Wong, Pedroia, Murphy group that went after him. I I just I don't see it with with 21. It's possible that Odor is actually the last uh, end of the 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 tier, and that Kinsler and Kipnis are kind of either are kind of floating around there a little bit. I, I could, I could understand. I could hear that more. I'm just not a huge Kipnis guy. I just don't see the, the, the deal with him really. I mean, 
got to maintain a high BABIP or the batting average isn't really going to be there. He's a two. But he does do the things to maintain a high BABIP, and he has maintained a high BABIP for his career. And, and if he, but if he does, then then the power is not going to be there because he rarely has ever matched power with the BABIP. And he had 21 combined homers and stolen Just, bases last year and 641 actually, plate appearances. He's very much like Ian Kinsler, actually, because Kinsler's done the same thing. They, they, they are, but everyone thinks that, that Kipnis is better than, than Kinsler, and I don't really see that case either. So I, I did agree with Kinsler going ahead of Kipnis. I just think Kipnis is, is wildly overrated for what we've seen. He's played 150 games once, and that was back in 2012. You know, the, the speed has really dropped, drop, or I shouldn't say has. It really did drop off last year. If that's something that's really going to happen, then that's big trouble because not only did he only steal 12 bases for Kipnis, but he was 12 for 20, which is garbage. So I just don't see it. I mean, it was a perfectly fine pick where he got him in the seventh round for Sealy, so I'm not blasting the pick, but I would push back more on that being such a great pick because of the second baseman that went after. I'm not sure. Well, I'd much I'd also, rather have Zobrist in the 15th round. For, yeah, I guess that I think, but I, I, I feel pretty comfortable with it that they're in this analysis, in this general analysis, that the, these uh, big gaps are, are representative of tiers. So oh, I, I, can, uh, I can totally get behind. So, but it is interesting because it, it creates an idea that, like, if you're about to pick the first of a position in 30, in, in 30 picks or something, if you notice that you're about to pick, then maybe don't pick him, you know? Maybe you're in the middle of a gap and you're about to enter a new tier, and what's the difference between Howie Kendrick and Dustin Pedroia and Daniel Murphy and Ben Zobrist and DJ LeMahieu and Neil Walker? There's no difference. No, that 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 point is definitely fair. Because so she she Stefania Bell could have taken Jose Quintana. I mean, she, she could have taken Lance McCullers. I think I I can't tell which way the rounds go, but odd rounds go that way to so, the right. So she couldn't have taken Lance McCullers, but she could have taken Jake Odorizzi, Jock Peterson. Uh, she had one outfield. Uh, she had Harper and Chu. Jock Peterson would have been a great third outfield. This is OBP league, right? No, it's 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 average, but I still agree that that would have been a nice pick there. She could have taken your Grandal, uh, Smiley, Verlander, Corbin is a nice group of pitchers that went there, and and uh, and I'd take most of those guys over Quintana as much as Quintana's a steady Eddie, you know, veteran guy. I think that uh, you know Smiley and Corbin offer a little more upside. Taiwan Walker offers a lot more upside. So I think the general uh, point, uh, and you know she got Quintana the next round. Uh, I, I like Quintana. I like Quintana over Smiley. Just don't I'm, take a guy. Just don't don't be the first to take a position in a long time because you're probably going to be the first in a tier, and uh, that's not always good. No, that 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 is a completely fair point, particularly at second base. If you don't jump in early, I do think you wait because yeah, there are so many of these guys that went later, even after Kendrick that I, that I like just fine. You mentioned a couple: Murphy, Pedroia, Lemayhew. Yeah, Zobrist I can get three behind. Zobrist going to have uh, is Zobrist Zobrist the same amount of homers plus stolen bases, or Zobrist is going to have more. And for all of Kendrick's batting average love. You know, I think the Cubs will score more bases, uh, score more runs in RBI for, for Zobras. So yep. I think those guys are going to be roughly comparable and they're four rounds apart. So, um, yeah, so I think the, I, I use the color, the color guide to help me find uh, the picks I like, basically. Yeah, that, that, that is that is interesting. What about some picks that, that didn't sit as well with you in terms of, uh, you know, the price that you, you're just not willing to pay? Do you have a couple of those that you're like, ah, I get it maybe, but uh, I just I'm not paying that price. Billy Hamilton in the seventh, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier, is just 
it's just amazing. I mean, that could that's a winner winner lose winner go home kind of pick. It's you know if he if he does take that step forward and does anything more than he did last year, even if he really repeats last year, then it's a great pick. But it's not like he's not like every other young player where you can say, well, at least he should at least repeat last year. No, I mean he by the end of the year he was batting eighth and uh, sitting against a lot of uh, right-handers. So, you know, I don't think uh, – I think that one makes me nervous. Albert Pujols makes me really nervous this year. He's just um, – he got surgery on those feet, and he had such a terrible second half last year. So uh, I don't know about that pick. Um, I don't know. It's uh, Picks you don't really like are kind of hard. Randall Grichuk in the ninth. Seems aggressive. Yeah, I, I I hear where you were going there on picks you don't like are tough, especially when you're talking about later in the like starting in like the eighth round because it's all about the team building too. So you're not sure. You almost have to look at the, at the picks before and be like, okay, it makes more sense with it. Judging them on their own really isn't that fair. So I totally get that. That's why I'm glad that your your picks were more in the early rounds when we can really say that, okay, yeah, the team right. isn't set yet. I, I honestly think that that's it's hard for me to you know kill somebody on a 16th round pick yeah. at all. First off, the like Cliff Lee player. in the 25th. That's terrible. He may not even pitch this year. Well. If yeah. he does, maybe it's a good pick. Maybe it's a good pick, and if not, your twenty-fifth round picks get burned all the time. Like we we can't go crazy on something like that. So I agree with you. Look at more in the single-digit rounds and say maybe you didn't like some of the values as opposed to hammering guys on their their twenty-ninth round pick. Michael Saunders, come on, man. Uh, uh, Jeff Erickson waited really long for his catcher, and ended up with JT Realmuto as his number one. Do you, is it a two-catcher league? It is, and his last so pick overall was Fegley. So he's the dollar catcher guy, basically, because he's got Real Muto and Fegley. Yep. And, I mean, you guys with Grandal and Chirinos are going to blow him out of the water at that position. So We figure uh, we make up some of the pop there as well. I, I know that Colette liked Chirinos as a, as a C2. He told me about, about liking him, so I waited a little bit to get him. And again, going back to HQ in the forecaster, they gave him an upside of 20 homers. You know, they they always put like, this is what has to work out for it. It's a long shot, but if he ever got 500, uh, 400 plate appearances, he could get the 20 homers for Chirinos. And then we could be looking at 40, maybe you know, aggressively if Grandal really beasted, we could get 45 home runs on a catcher. And so yeah. that that could be an advantage that we get that a lot of folks aren't getting behind the dish. Yeah, I mean, Erickson's probably uh, going to get like uh, 25 out of catcher, so. Yeah, max. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Howard Bender taking, I love Howard Bender to death, taking uh, David Ortiz eighth in the eighth round. Oh, um, nice for you. It, he, it's funny because he's just, he's been great for his whole career. Why would he stop now? But Except he's super old, and this is his last year, so. yeah. But maybe he goes uh, out with a bang, and they yeah. let him do. Maybe they let him do roids all year. <laughs> as kind of like a going away present, which I'd be fine with. I want to see him play. Or maybe he stops games. taking them so he doesn't. He doesn't sully his legacy. Doesn't risk it. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good counterpoint. I can I can hear that. But uh, I'm gonna go with the <laughs> other side and just say, you know what? PEDs all year for Ortiz. He gets a PED pass, and he hits 50 <laughs> on the way out. Um, I want to talk about a few of the snipes that we had, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going too far. I don't like to say that somebody, you know, Jeff Erickson took some guys that we like, but to say that he sniped us when he's picking one and we're picking nine, 
a little bit <laughs> out of bounds to say that I'm only, only one of my picks will be like that when I talk about these guys. And that I'll just get that one out of the way up front. Then Garrett Richards, uh, Stefania took him in the sixth round. Wasn't really near us, so it's hard to even say that was a snipe, but I really, really thought he would be available in the seventh round. Uh, so I don't even really think she jumped him early, but I should have been smarter because she's an Angels fan. She's very open about it, and she has no problem taking the stars from her favorite team. So maybe I should have been smarter there and gone with Richards. He needs uh, to add strikeouts to be worth it there, though, because you could have Tyson know. Ross. He's got uh, nasty stuff. He does, and he he can add them. He did have that season where he added them, but uh, if he does, if he stays where he was at seven K nine, is is not going to separate him from Jordan Zimmerman and Tyson Ross is probably going to out outproduce him. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and basically, he's basically then Marcus Stroman. I was just about to say that. Three rounds later, so yeah. If he if he if Garrett Richards doesn't add the K's, he is Stroman. We ended up getting Stroman, so we're fine with that. The biggest ones, though, the ones that really crushed uh, Bender taking Posey right in front of us. We really wanted to get Correa Posey. Uh, we were going to originally do Altuve Posey, but nine was just too early to justify Altuve, so we went with Correa. But then we were going to really be excited to get Posey on the way back. Didn't happen. Matt Harvey in the third round was another. That was going to be our ace even ahead of Carrasco. He went directly the pick before us. We were completely mm-hmm. happy with Carrasco, but I, I you know, really wanted Harvey. And then I thought Felix Hernandez really dropped. And, uh, that, again, we were going to get our secondary started when he kept dropping, dropping, dropping. We're like, well, we'll just take Felix. And then Seeley took him again, and that's right. when we really, veered, we really veered off and went with Lindor. And then probably the biggest one, though, this, this was the one – uh, and it was actually two, two in a row that really got us. And again, the consolation prize was Stroman. So it's tough to really get too upset. But we had Waka, Martinez, and Stroman as our one, two, three. Waka and Martinez went the two picks before us. Yeah. Was, like, we were getting so hyped on Waka. One of the things that we've noticed that Clint and I do, uh, and it's not by design because it's a, it's a bad idea, uh, is we take too many AL pitchers. You know, the, the, the split between the leagues isn't as large as it used to be, but you still generally, you know, you should prefer NL pitchers when all else is equal. So we're like, okay, well, we've already got an AL ace. Let's not do what we've done in past years and get all AL guys. So, of course, our first four pitchers were AL guys. And uh, we're sitting there after taking our closers, and we say, okay, well, we'll get an NL guy now. We'll get Michael Waka. I love Waka. Colette was on board. BP snaked us. Okay, fine. We'll just get his teammate, Carlos Martinez. It'll be our fourth Carlos. It'll be hilarious, and it will be a good pick. Boom. Jake Seeley, Roto Experts, snaked us. So then we took Stroman. So those were our biggest snipes. Again, I don't get too crazy about snipes late in the draft because, you know, everything's happening. It's too hard to really get hung up. But those early round snipes, some of them can really bum you out, and those were just a handful that really got to us. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it, is, it is interesting that, you're, that your aces are from the, the American League. So Yeah, it's – Again, it's not a great design, but we really are happy with Carrasco and Stroman. And honestly, the Britton-Allen thing, because a lot of people are asking, you know, you, you got your ace, but then you didn't really back him up right away. First off, we do love Stroman. And this was a guy who was going as like a top 25 pitcher last year before the knee happened. So, And then he came back and looked like the guy that we were all excited about. But getting a Britton and Allen like that, that combination, if you kind of add up their numbers – it is a 2014 Carlos Carrasco. Remember that amazing season that he had? That's essentially what, what Britton and Allen do together, 
plus 38 strikeouts, more than than what Carrasco had. So I'm just talking ratios there, uh, plus 60 saves. So I, uh, I, you know, in the past I've done a lot of like uh, the Alan Harrison draft where I don't take a closer until nine, ten, eleventh round, and I just get you know I try to get one of the guys that's okay that should keep his job all year. But uh, I I like this Britton Allen connection, and Thanks. um, and I think that it keeps you out of I mean, you did get caps in the 15th, so that's seven rounds. But seven rounds without having to spend a pick on a, you know, Francisco Rodriguez or yeah, we didn't have to mess with those mid. Those, Jake McGee, AJ Ramos, like like you know, as much as I like Potterhorse's draft, he took AJ Ramos in round 13. AJ Ramos might even break camp as closer. No, and um, when we took Caps, he was very displeased. I really think that that was the round he was going to go back and get him and ensure that he got that Miami closer, right. uh, yeah. and we snaked him there. because I, But unless, I, you're, unless you do it at a turn, you never know that you're going to be able to handcuff. I mean, that's, that, that's actually a, a, maybe a piece that could be written, which is which, which closing situations could be easily handcuffed without having to do, like, you know, consecutive picks because San Francisco actually lends itself. That's one thing that that Harrison did really well. San Francisco lends itself really well to a, to a, to a handcuff because I don't think people want Casilla so you can get him low. I don't think people think as highly about Hunter Strickland as maybe we do. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, and then Sergio Romo is like a a perfect final pick where all of a sudden you've got the, you've got the three guys. It's going to be one of those three. So, and there's going to be churn on your roster anyway. So you just kind of wait to see which one of the guys gets it. You can discard the other two. You know, a lot of people get hung up on, well, you're taking three spots to do it. We do have six reserves and there's a case that uh, at least in, in terms of until some of the, you know, early rotations usually use like four starters. So you might not be having all your guys start. You can put Strickland in there as just a uh, give you some K's and some good ratios for a couple weeks until starters really get going as well anyway. Yeah. And I'll take you I'll take, you know, as a group, you uh, Podhortzer and Allen, I'll take your final two picks over most people's almost the whole group, because. You know, having doing Alan Harrison's approach, you do Kayla, Keona Kayla from Texas and Sergio Roma. That's uh, that might get and that's your closer, or that's it's an easy dropper. There's no, uh, you know, oh, you know, I have to wait for another report, or or you know, maybe he'll start, or well, let me see. It's like, okay, is he the closer or not? He's not. Goodbye. Yeah. You know? uh, and then with you guys, Henry Owens, um, that'll be a little bit harder to cut, and Coughlin too. But those are at least, you know, have decent upside. And, you know, it's a little bit better than, um, I don't know, like a Matt Kane, Colby Lewis, you know. Yeah, that, uh, those kind of guys don't do it for me. I want to get something that can Anderson that can Alvarez pop. is, like, hurt. Tim Anderson, they're trying to do everything they can to not start him in the big leagues. Um, Jake Marisnik, I mean, most of these names, I'm just like, I don't want them on my team. But... You know, Homer Bailey uh, from Podhortzer. Uh, that's an interesting one. I like your Henry Owens. I like the Kayla connection. And Chris Young, I thought. Chris Young, the pitcher for, for Pod, I thought was was perfectly solid. You know, everyone keeps doubting him, but I think at this point we have to acknowledge that he does something that absolutely works and that as long as he remains on a team-friendly situation that's going to have the bullpen and the defense to maximize his strengths – why not take him? So I had no problem with the Chris Young pick, even though he doesn't strike guys out. I don't love him. 
I think Pod can get some good innings out of him. It probably won't be 2015 level, 306 ERA, 109 whip. But even if he falls back to uh, 2014, 365, 123, you can spot start him here and there, particularly at home against some uh, some lesser teams or some good road situations. So I, I, I like that pick too, and I love Bailey. Clint and I love Bailey, so it's just a matter of waiting for him to get back. Might only get like a 70-inning burst out of him, but if he can hang on to him, because you can also DL him. That's the thing. Oh, yeah, DL slots. I, I love getting DL, DL guys at the end. Zach Wheeler in the 26th round uh, to Brett Serrett based off for sections. I love that. I, wait, I waited just a little bit too long on, on Wheeler. I was actually trying to get him with one of those last three picks, and I, I yeah. waited too long. That's a great pick because, you know, there's a lot of questions with Wheeler, but on the DL slot, that gives you a, an extra spot to go a, hunting. A in free pick, training. yep. Absolutely, yeah. and that's that's why I like it, and that's why I wish we would have gotten one of those. But I really like the guys that we, that we ended with, that Dietrich, Warren, Latos, Owens, Coglin combo. Those are the kind of guys I'd try to get anyway with that DL spot. So I, I, I'm fine having drafted those guys. I feel like at least one of them will really pop, and we could definitely see two or three of them be contributors to our team. You know, I think we got to get going. You're, you're about to hit the, uh, the hardwood again, play some hoops. So I want to let you get to that. We'll talk a little bit more in depth about your pitcher tiers next time out, but those are available for anyone who is looking for those. That's your your recent article of the change, and uh, very useful, of course. It, it used in concert with your rankings to see kind of how they tier out is really interesting as well. You and I will be back on Wednesday or on Friday for those that didn't notice. You know, we didn't put out a Monday episode, so we will we'll be back on Friday. Uh, but there will be plenty of pods this week. Like I said, i got Jason and myself coming up with the Raw Draft feed and then guest episode with Greg Ambrosius from Stats and NFBC. So, you know, we'll talk in a couple days. Drain those threes. Make sure your foot's not on the line. And if you have to, <laughs> punch somebody in the face. Let them know that they're not getting in the paint on you, you know. <laughs> so let them know, okay? Yes, uh, okay. I'll put that on my to-do list. Start a brawl with – a bunch of lawyers. Brawl today. out on those lawyers. <laughs> drain the threes. No foot on the line. Those are my three tips for you. You can report Punch back to me. Say, sue me. Sue me. I don't have any money. Sue me, man. What are you going to do? Are you going to take my kids? Great. I don't want them anyway right now. They're bothering me. So, again, a lot of good trash talk. I, I can give you more tips. I can text them to you. But uh, that's how you win on the basketball court. We'll be back Friday to talk about how you drop 30 points on those fools. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks.